A planned East County development has become a political flashpoint combining several of California's perennial problems. The Adara community would build more than 1,100 homes east of Chula Vista in an area that's prone to wildfire. While more housing is needed in the region, placing a new community far from urban job centers runs counter to the goals of reducing driving as a means to fight climate change. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Josh Remsen-Smith, you're the environment reporter for the Union Tribune, and you've been covering a contentious development in East County called Ardara. Why don't you explain why is this controversial? So this this project is controversial because it's in a high fire zone and because it creates a lot of greenhouse gases from, or would create a lot of greenhouse gases from new vehicle trips as people go to the grocery store and go to work. So basically, rather than having density, this is more of the traditional urban sprawl of wave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, there was some division in the County Board of Supervisors. Why don't you explain who was on each side and why they voted their way? So you had the group that was leading the charge to approve this. That's Greg Cox and Kristen Gaspar and uh, Jim Desmond. And they repeatedly cited the need for more housing. Uh, They addressed the concerns about wildfire uh, by talking to Cal Fire, uh, San Diego Cal Fire Unit Chief uh, Meacham. And um, they basically said, you know, is this a fire safe community? And Meacham said, yes. Uh, You know, they're built to the latest building standards. And so that I guess that was good enough for them. So they said, yeah, we need the housing. Let's go for it. And there have been three major fires in that region in the past, like, 15 years, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we reported on—I reported on this a couple of weeks ago in that area, which was burned by the Harris Fire in 2007. Uh, that area, within five miles of that area, has, burns every 18 months on average for the last century, according to Cal Fire records. And Meacham, in the meeting, said— this area will burn again. But so it's fire safe, re- but relatively. But for, yes, but uh, for some reason, we feel safe about that. Now, they do have an evacuation plan. If they have three hours, they feel like they can get everyone out. If everyone acts super cool and evacuates in a staggered fashion, and, and like the roads aren't obscured by smoke or people don't go crazy and start like crashing into barriers, then they can get everyone out. In three hours, and that's fine. Now, if a fire starts closer to the development and they have less than three hours, they have no plan. So, basically, hopefully, the fire is far away versus closer. So, um, what do you explain uh, the people that are opposed to this plan? Because you can attack this from a variety of different arguments, but for those that voted no— And will. This thing's going to court, for sure. Mm -hmm. Sierra Club said that they're going to— they're going to sue on this, and then they got Endangered Habitats League in the San Diego-based— climate action campaign behind them as well. And the main thing is, hey, you're generating greenhouse gases in the age of climate change in a state that takes this very seriously. This is a violation of CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Act. So this story kind of seems to be all of the California storylines coming together. You have issues on housing, you have issues about fire, climate change. 
how can any government organization effectively juggle those needs? And how did you see leaders kind of struggle to deal with the cost and benefits of all of these choices, none of which are perfect? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, I wrote a story last week talking about how the push for urban infill is definitely a huge challenge when trying to meet our housing needs, especially our affordable housing needs. If you look at our targets for the county, it's called the Regional Housing Needs Assessment Arena. Sandag comes up with this number, and they have a number for each one of the cities. We're way behind, you know. Where I think for the last decade, we're about 75% of the way there. But then if you look at moderate to low-income housing, I mean, we've, we're only like a third of the way there, if that. Yeah, and all the building currently just seems to be large, multimillion-dollar apartment complexes that in many cases, remain empty. Right. So we talked to the develop. I talked to the developers for that story, and they basically said, "Hey, if you're not going to do new development on uh, land, pre- previously undeveloped land, greenfield, they call it, new greenfield development, like we used to do, you know, back in the '70s and '80s and '90s, um, these big master planned things where you can get like Adara, where you can get a you know a thousand or more units at the same time then you got to do this urban infill and well that's like that's pretty expensive right like you, you the land costs are really high you've got um, construction uh, costs are very high right now because a lot of the the contractors have left the state um, You've got it's just difficult to do from an economy of scale. Like you're just building like 20 units, then you're digging up the sidewalk and you find just like a mess of plumbing down there. And then you got to deal with the historic building right next door. And then, you know, the big one that we've been talking about, the neighbors fly off the handle, right? Yeah. And and that's one huge part of this conversation is people who are against any kind of development at all, which they do have a large political voice. Yeah. And so we've got people that are opposed to development in the back country where the where fires are going to, you know, but make it make it potentially dangerous. You got people opposed to development in the existing urban landscape where, you know, I mean, you buy a home and then all of a sudden they say, "Well, we're going to transform your neighborhood. You just spent your whole life savings on it." You can understand how someone Yeah, it's it, might people be, don't like everything to change suddenly. Might be frustrated by that. But I mean, as a state, we got to figure out like how we're going to do this. What's what's our our path forward? Now it just seems like we're at a stalemate. Yeah, certainly, even statewide uh, plans to try to fund more affordable housing and more dense building in urban areas have just repeatedly failed. Yeah, you're going to try to make me remember my the statewide numbers. I think it's like we build like a hundred thousand homes a year, but we're supposed to build like two hundred thousand homes a year within the next five five or six years to try to make up for and meet new population growth, I believe. So, yeah, we're way behind. Yeah, on many levels, and that's part of why it's so expensive to live here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's super expensive to live in California, and many people feel like it's just becoming, you know, a state for the the wealthy, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've got people here in San Diego, um, like Catherine Blakespear, the, the mayor of Encinitas, who is um, who's on Sandag and has championed the new housing numbers, the new housing targets, I should say, saying, "Hey, we got it. We got to make these things tougher, and we've got to concentrate them in the urban areas." It, exactly, 
what all the folks who are concerned about climate change are saying. But she's saying she, the, the pitch that she's making to the residents is different. She's saying, you know, I asked her about this. I said, you, do you make the climate change argument? And she said, not really. It doesn't really resonate for, for, my, for my constituents. I tell them, we want a vibrant community with people of all, on, of all income levels. That's what makes a rich, interesting, culturally vibrant community. And if we just keep going the way we're going, you know, we're not, we're not going to have, we're going to lose that. Yep. It's just going to be rich people and McMansions everywhere. And you heard that at the meeting last night. Yeah, so people are actually saying it as opposed to tiptoeing around it. Oh, yeah. Basically, at the meeting, all the developers came out in favor of this thing, of course, right? You had the Jackson Pendo Group, which is the designer of the project, but then the chamber and then a bunch of their developer friends came out and said, hey, we need this because of, because of um, the affordable housing crisis. And everyone had a story about, well, my son went to school in Arizona and I'm trying to convince him to come back. But he says, you know, no way, Dad, I'm not moving back there. I'll never own a home. Yeah. Right. And so we hear it over and over again. And I guess that was enough for the supervisors to say to put aside the wildfire concerns and say, yep, we need this thousand units. And of those thousand units, uh, will they be will there be some affordable housing there or is it all? No, this is a very flossy development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's part. But they will say it's part of this larger Otai Ranch master plan, which stretches back a couple decades, um, it, and it's just kind of like the last piece of that, or one of the last pieces of that. And that whole kind of larger master plan of Otai Ranch does have affordable housing in it. And also, you mentioned that it's likely that this plan will be in court. What's the timeline looking for that? Well, I'm sure they'll. They'll sue on CEQA within a couple of weeks, and then who knows? It'll be hung up in court for a long time. There are eight of these projects, right? And and Sierra Club is has sued on I think about four of them already. The, these are the projects where the county said, "Yeah, you know, they're going to mess up our climate action plan, so you guys can buy these carbon offsets, right?" Remember that? Yeah, as a way to essentially give money to projects that allegedly will reduce greenhouse gases. But in many cases, that doesn't actually happen. Well, yeah, we did an investigation last year. I did an investigation last year that showed that a lot of these projects would have happened regardless of the cash infusions from the offsets. But they're saying, hey, buy the offsets. We'll feel better about our our carbon footprint. And um, a judge uh, last winter basically said, no way, this plan does not pass does not pass the test. This is not legal. And he threw it out. Now it's being appealed, so the county could still use the offset plan. But it's worth noting that this project and uh, Newland Sierra and a bunch of these other projects, Valiano, um, Otai Ranch 250, a bunch of these different places that um, are in the unincorporated territory are all saying we're going to use these carbon offsets, something I really haven't seen before. I mean, it seems pretty kind of a novel approach in the state to try to take care of the carbon offset. I mean, the car, the carbon footprint issue. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it at this point, they just want to build it and they'll do whatever they can in order to get it whichever way they can. Yeah, I mean, they've done a lot. I mean, it's not just the carbon footprint. They've got the multiple species conservation plan and they're fighting with uh, the feds over that. And, you know, are you going to have... Um, you're going to be like plowing over habitat for butterflies and spade-footed toads and the 
the corridors for mountain lions and goats and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, they've also wandered into a whole thing with the county's species conservation plan. So they've really had to do a number of things to try to pave the way for this. But I'm sure the developer got some satisfaction yesterday with with being approved. But it's a, a long ways away from actually seeing shovels in the ground. Certainly. And it seems like right now there's tension between the city of San Diego and the county as to how to tackle this multi-pronged problem. You have Mayor Kevin Falconer really pushing this plan to have density towards transit and also funding more transit, even though people don't really use it. And then the county, because it has more representation from rural areas, has more of the Adara approach of let's just build out here and let's spend on roads. And it seems like this back and forth is just going to continue forever. No, you have to wonder if these people talk to each other. I mean, the county could say, well, we're going to use carbon offsets, but all the new vehicle trips could totally undermine the city's efforts to cut down on on greenhouse gases, as well as sandags. That's the other thing. The state is pushing on the San Diego Association of Governments, our, our top transportation and planning agency for the region, to cut down, to cap... Uh, individual vehicle miles traveled. They're saying, you know, you really have to limit the amount of driving. This is the California Air Resources Board with a mandate from the state legislature for every one of these municipal planning organizations, the, you know, the big ones around the state saying, hey, your plans for building out the region, they have to focus on getting people out of their cars. The county could say, well, we have carbon offsets to deal with that, but there's no guarantee. In fact, I've talked to the state and they said, we're not we're not interested in taking into consideration carbon offsets. Sandag's going to blow its targets, you know, if the county moves forward with this very likely. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this uh, project is likely to have lots of vehicle miles traveled. Well, yeah, I mean, when you consider this project and then the seven other big projects that are happening, all of them together could really make it hard for Sandag to meet its state goals, not to mention all of the cities that now have climate action plans that are trying to meet their goals, right? So putting people in these master planned developments, you know, far from the the major urban job centers generates a lot of car traffic. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And it's something that we're always going to be struggling with, it appears. All right, Josh Rimson-Smith, thank you so much. Good to be here. In other news, San Diego has made a deal to save the Miramar Recycling Center. Because China has reduced the amount of recycled material it buys, cities like San Diego have had to reconsider how they handle recycling. A new deal means the city must begin to subsidize recycling instead of profiting from it. The seven-year contract will cost the city between three and three and a half million dollars a year. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. You can also listen to The Conversation, our Ideas and Opinions podcast. Abby Hamblin and Luis Gomez interview newsmakers and experts about stories and issues in the news in San Diego. Look for it on your podcast app or go to uniontrim.com slash theconversation. Until next time.